from him who provides for us the only true meaning for life. Be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this evening is our gospel lesson where Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is our text. Last year we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Reformation which took place in 1517 when Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door of the Wittenberg Castle. At least that's the way it's said. There's no real confirmation of that happening, and even Luther himself said it may not have happened, but that's beside the point. What happened a year later was also very important in 1518, exactly 500 years ago. Last week I had the wonderful privilege of attending a conference that had as its theme that thing that happened 500 years ago that still impacts me, that still impacts all of us. It was Luther's presentation of a thing called the Heidelberg Disputation. 500 years ago, just a year after posting those 95 theses, Luther presented this treatise where he was defending those theses that he had posted the year before. And proclaiming things like, even our good works are evil. Our good works are evil when we try to use them to appease God. When we use them to think that we are better than our neighbor. He was defending the truth of God's word in this disputation. And he was proclaiming that only in and through the work of Jesus, and especially his cross... Are all people saved, given the gift of salvation? Those who put their faith in that cross are saved. In the treatise, he writes things like this. A theologian of glory says that evil is good and good is evil. Whereas a theologian of the cross says that a thing is exactly what it is. God can only be found in suffering and the cross. And he wrote this. He is not justified who does many works, but he who without work believes much in Christ. And he wrote this. The law says, do this, and it is never done. Grace says, believe in this, and all things are already done. Well, having heard these statements, I suppose we could say tonight, in good Lutheran fashion, what does this mean? If you had confirmation class, you know that you were asked that question many times and were answered, answered that question also through something called the catechism. Because in subsequent years after Luther presented this disputation, he went about and traveled around the kingdom and discovered that the state of the faith was very, very bad. That not only did families and parents and children not know the basics of the faith, but not even pastors knew the basics and main tenets of the faith. So Luther wrote up a simple catechism in six parts to help pastors and parents and others learn and teach the faith. And in the catechism came that repeated refrain, what does this mean? But those few words are more than just a refrain. 
that question itself reminds us of the attitude that we ought to have toward the study of God's Word. It is supposed to mean something. As Jesus said, when you study the Word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so academically, if words or phrases or whole concepts are not understood, well, then they don't do us any good, do they? So let's take a few minutes tonight to define and explain and illustrate and get at the meaning of what Luther was trying to teach 500 years ago and is still so important for us today. Something as basic as praying, Our Father who art in heaven. What does this mean? Now, I don't know how you picture God, what he might look like or who he is, but Luther reminds us that Jesus taught us to approach God in the way that we would approach a loving parent, the way a beloved child would approach a concerned and loving parent with a question, with boldness and confidence, Luther says. And that's how our prayers should look. We should be bold and confident in prayer. Or how about this? You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's the Eighth Commandment. And again, the question, what does this mean? Is that only something that happens in a courtroom? Well, Martin Luther's short answer describes a number of different ways that we might lie about another person or otherwise damage another person's reputation. And another list of ways to keep the commandment, not just a matter of thou shalt not, but also a matter of you shall do these things. Because that too is part of what does this mean? Not only what we should not do, but also what we should do according to the commands. Or how about deliver us from evil? That calls for a definition, actually a kind of a laundry list of various kinds of evil that we might encounter from the bad things that can happen to us to the malicious things that people can do to one another as we saw again sadly today in the news up in Pittsburgh. Ending with the most serious evil of all, that one might lose one's faith in Jesus Christ or never come to faith in Him at all, and end up going to hell. And there's nothing any worse than that, Luther says. Meanwhile, for the article in the Creed that begins, I believe in the Holy Spirit, Luther points out that even believing in God, believing in Jesus Christ as my Savior, is not something that I can do by myself. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, Believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him, the catechism teaches. But the Holy Spirit works faith in me, the faith that I need by providing the word of God for me to read and hear and learn the good news about what Jesus has done for me by his suffering, by his death, to give me something to believe in, something firm and solid to believe in. Well, the point of all of this is that the Word of God is supposed to mean something. Not just phrases that we repeat, 
when we'd go through various routines that we rattle through, but, but concepts that are to be studied and examined and learned and taken into our hearts and minds. They're to be put to test and practiced and ultimately understood. Luther came by this concern honestly, of course, living at a time in the church's history when a whole lot of religious life was a matter of simply going through the right motions, carrying out the law at the right time, mechanically. But Luther insisted that according to the Word of God, that's not the way it's supposed to be. The Word of God is supposed to mean something for us. Specifically, it's supposed to mean something to me, to you. Jesus Christ is not just some figure in history or some figure in theology, but Jesus Christ is my Lord. What does this mean? It means that he has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, that he has purchased and won me from all sin, from death, from the power of the devil. That he has not only forgiven my sin, but he has also even undone my death whenever that might occur. Baptism isn't just water, not even water commanded by God and connected with God's word, but, but baptism is a blessing that makes a difference in my life by giving me God's gift of faith and forgiveness. It defines who I am as God's child and it delivers to me God's great and precious promises. The Ten Commandments, then, are not just a list of do's and don'ts for me in my life, but they're a picture of God's good will for me. They're a picture of what the Christian life looks like as I live under God and as I live with other people. That's the message God was trying to get across a long, long time ago in the Passover. You remember how God's angel of death passed over God's people when the blood of the lamb was painted on the doorposts of God's people's homes. And God reminded his people that the Passover wasn't just an ancient ceremony that they would do year after year, century after century, but actually one that would mean something. Something, uh, something that teaches something, that defines my place in the family of those who are my sisters and brothers in the faith, the ones that I walk with on the journey toward the goal that God has in store for us. The same is true, the catechism teaches us, of the Ten Commandments and the Creed and the Lord's Prayer and the sacraments of the church. Those are all God's gifts to us, and they're all God's gifts meant to make a difference in our lives. They deliver to us the forgiveness of sins and so make an eternal difference in our lives. It's an attitude that goes all the way back to the first Passover when, when somebody asks you, what does this mean? You are sure to have an answer. And here's the ultimate answer that the Reformation of the church so clearly provides for us and that Luther spelled out in the Heidelberg Disputation and, and in the Catechism and in many, many other writings and lectures that he wrote over the course of his lifetime. The main message is that you are saved 
by God's grace, through faith, because of Christ and his death on the cross. We have a God who loves to create. Just as he did in the beginning, he loves to create out of nothing. And so he creates something out of the nothingness of our failures. We may look for success, but God is waiting over in the wings in our failure. We believe in the love of God because we see it in Christ, hanging on the tree, dead. No matter what you are going through in life, Luther says, look to the cross. There at the cross is your faith. There at the cross is your forgiveness. There at the cross is your salvation. There at the cross is your sanctification, your good life. You are a baptized child of God. You have been drowned in the water and raised to new life because of the cross. On the cross, Jesus said to you and for you, it is finished. What does this mean? It means that we rest in his forgiveness. We rest in his righteousness. We rest in his crucifixion and in his resurrection, because at the cross, it is finished. Amen.